if you just want to do what you want to do when you want to do it, that's a hobby. If you want to do the thing you want and just have a paycheck automatically come to you, that's a job. If you want to do the thing you want and have some flexibility in your time and you don't mind like doing some networking, that's freelance. But if you want to develop a system around the thing that you do and build the shell around it that makes it work and function, then that's a business. Who? mic drop. You tell them, Ciara. This is Show Your Business Who's Boss. Listen in on behind the scenes, unfiltered conversations with my favorite business owner friends who take charge and make their businesses work for them. Don't just be your own boss, show your business who's boss. I'm Pia Silva. On today's episode, I'm talking to my West Coast bestie and boss of her business, Ciara Pressler. Ciara advises entrepreneurs, business leaders, and creative professionals on creating their personal game plan for success. Her company, Pregame, is disrupting the coaching industry with an innovative model that makes expert businesses and marketing coaching accessible to game changers at all levels of business. Ciara is a frequent media guest expert on NBC, ABC, NPR, and The Huffington Post, the host of Work Life on Digital Trends Live, editor of Pregame Magazine, creator and host of the business and marketing web series The Audience, author of two business career optimization books, and creator of over 100 entrepreneurial development courses. She's collaborated on marketing and communications initiatives with some of the biggest brands, including Nike, Acura, American Express, and Equinox, and has developed professional development programs for MTV, A&E Networks, Condé Nast, Hearst, and Martha Stewart Omnimedia. On top of all of that, she also works with community leaders and elected officials to advise them on policy and initiatives advocating for small business owners. We spoke recently, and in our conversation, we covered topics such as the allure of outsourcing. Is it good to delegate? Or is it just a case of, I don't want to do it? The marketing racket, how it makes hiring services such a crapshoot, and how to protect yourself from getting taken. We ask the question, what makes it a business? And discuss the difference between hobbies, jobs, freelancing, and being a business. Hint, an LLC or website, isn't it? Pricing for the clients you want how premium pricing leads to premium clients, and how you can never do things like raise your prices or make more money unless you get to know your business numbers first. So buckle up. Here we go. Hey, Ciara. Welcome to the show. Hi, Pia. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm so excited you're here, Ciara. And I'm so excited you're here because I am inviting my bestest friends who are super inspirations to me and bosses of their business. And you are definitely, you know, it's not just being the boss of your business. It's being the boss of your life. And you epitomize that to me. So you are no bullshit. You say what you think. You're not afraid to say things that people might not like, which truly exemplifies an expert because you will tell people how it is instead of just what they want to hear. And I've watched you since we met when you had your super successful consulting company in New York City, and then you decided to go move to Portland to start a new business on the other coast, which bummed me out, but we've continued to stay friends as if you were in New York. And so that's why I wanted to have you here today. So you are the boss of your business. I'm crowning you that today. How do you feel about that? I feel like I'm going to take that clip and set it as my alarm clock in the morning. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. I can call you every day and tell you that if you'd like. I'll take you up on that offer. <laughs> yeah, I always wish all our conversations were recorded. <laughs> all the time. I woke up this morning and I thought about you like in my heart and I got a little teary and I was thinking about what a special friend you are in my life. Oh my gosh, I'm going to cry. Oh. Really, because you know that expression, iron sharpens iron, like you are a very, have a very unique place in my life of being somebody who challenges me and supports me at the same time. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I feel the same way. (laughs) Yes, we do challenge each other (laughs) and support each other. We definitely, well, so that's funny because do you remember how we met? Because I have a very funny memory of how we connected and you probably don't. (laughs) I don't know how, but I remember meeting you the first time at the coffee shop on Houston Street. Yeah. I don't remember that. I remember 
contacting you or calling you because of that networking group we were a part of with Michael Roderick. Yeah. And we had never met, but I saw your stuff. On, I saw your name on the list or something and I looked you up and then I reached out to you and you you looked just from your website and your presence online because I hadn't met you yet. You looked like such a boss that I reached out to you very timidly like, hi, we don't know each other, but I, I want to possibly hire you for PR for art. <laughs> this is what I remember. And I remember you being like, that's not a good idea. <laughs> like Just kind of schooling me <laughs> because I had well, no like, idea what I was talking about. <laughs> well, yeah, I will I remember say, it was for sellout. That, yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I know what I would have reacted like at that time. I'll have to look back at our old emails, but you know, that was a stage of my first business where I was getting a lot of, hey, can I pick your brain emails, but I hadn't developed the boundaries yet to say no. And so I was still being like annoyed by that. And (laughs) (laughs) so I was, and especially in the arts, you know, you get so much of like, be part of our project for free kind of stuff. And I was getting really burned out on that. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I was still kind of shaping my philosophy slash approach to how do I help arts and culture and entertainment, individual creative professionals get what they need when it comes to marketing and PR, but not hire a PR firm because I thought and still think it's such a grand waste of money. I still get confused by you, Ciara, because I think of you when I think of PR and I also think of how you think it's a huge waste of money. Well, isn't there power in that of being like the anti-PR? Because what I ended up doing, right, is is creating the DIY PR course that I only have taught a few times. I know I could do a lot more with it, but it's kind of a racket. The whole PR game is a racket. And I don't, I never felt 100% integrity selling PR services because people think they're buying results when in fact, you can explain it to them, but they still don't realize they're buying your strategy and your relationships and your processes, but you can't guarantee anything. Yet when you make somebody like a website, you know that you're going to deliver them a website. Yeah. But with a PR campaign, you're just asking permission from journalists. They're the ones who have the, the power. And it's, oh, I've seen people waste a lot of money on PR when they could have done it themselves or they didn't really need it. Yeah. You know, I called you when I was trying to figure out if I should hire this PR company. And then we never connected. And then I hired them. What happened? I paused it for now. <laughs> yeah. So it's really expensive. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm pivoting my message right now. So, I mean, it didn't make sense. Like we started and now here we are and I have to pivot my message because of what's going on. And that's fine, but you can't be pitching me with one message when my message is now kind of changing. But it's the PR firm's job to reshape that message and be proactive about it. I mean, when I'm doing, I still do communications projects for clients. And I think as the strategist, it's my job to be the one who calls them and says, we need to change your message. This event is happening. The world has changed. Here's what I think we should do. You shouldn't have to call them up when you're paying them so much money and be like, hey, here's what I think we should do. They're the strategist. They should be taking the lead on that. A hundred percent. Well, I don't want, I don't. But I don't know what I want them to be sending me people for right now because I need to change my message. You know what I mean? Like, they got me an opportunity right before I paused it and I did it, but it's going to send traffic to something that's kind of not quite there. And they don't see that because for whatever reason, they, they like don't think it's like such a big deal. But I've been in this position before, you know, last year. Do you remember when we were like redoing our whole funnel for our course last year? It was kind of a big investment time and we hired a, um, Facebook ad company and we hired them. And then we decided to shift the positioning of the course after we hired them and we blew $30,000 with them between the ads that we paid for and hiring them. Yeah. We spent that much money and it it was for nothing, no results. And, you know, I would say that's half on them because they should have not spent that money seeing that our, our message wasn't clear yet, but it was also like they were just going out there when we didn't have clarity in our message, you know, because we were in the middle of changing it. So I can't make, I'm not making that mistake again. Yeah. You know, I bought social media advertising this year and um, I'm super cheap. I don't know. You could call it frugal. You could call it like a good business thing, but I just, 
is how I grew up, right? Like I'm all about that deal. And so sometimes that hurts me in business, right? Because I either, what, one of my biggest obstacles in business is I want to do everything myself, mm-hmm. you know? And that can be great. Like I run my business almost completely solo, mm-hmm. but then I burn myself out or I can't do it as well because I don't know what I don't know. Right. But, or I'll hire the cheapest vendor instead of the best vendor. I'm not growing that. I think that's something you outgrow with age too. But yeah, I hired social media marketing and it was not expensive. And and I have a geographic uh, restraint on my business, right? Because we have only served people within a certain radius of Portland, Oregon, a physical location. But um, it's a totally different strategy mm-hmm. and can be much more targeted and effective if done well. Yeah, but still now I've been thinking about it, of course, because now that we've moved all of our content online and we're going to keep at least half of it online, you know, we can work with people anywhere. But my strategy is not going to change that much because what we're going to do is I say we, it's me. (laughs) As if I have a whole team to do. You and all the personalities in your head. Yeah. Yeah. Well, seriously, I literally, I tell my clients like, if you are doing all the roles in your business, sometimes you have to literally put on different hats, different days. Like I am the chief revenue officer. I am the CMO today. Totally. Yeah. So even if our, our, our boundaries are not constrained by a city anymore, I'm still gonna, you know, for, for online advertising, restrict it to remarketing and like lookalike audiences and like people who already have engaged somehow. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, unless it's a really specific thing like the DIY PR course, right? Like that's something that might be worth promoting a little more, a little more. I don't know. I'd have to reprice it and do the numbers on it because I just, I'm super cheap about marketing because I know word of mouth is always going to be our best for most service businesses, our best uh, thing. So I'd rather put that time into incentivizing like past clients. I hear you. That's a lesson I keep learning. (laughs) I is like... Just like you said, you do everything your you like to do everything yourself. I'm in. I do it my way is worse. I spend a lot of money, and I every time I do it, it's like I hope and believe that these people I just hired, because they're expensive and they know what they're doing, they're going to be able to deliver something. And then I learn, oh, they don't know that much or that much more, and I could have done this myself. And it's not that I'm hiring them because they because I can't do it myself. I'm hiring them because I want someone else to do it for me. I don't want to be doing all these things, but I end up doing a lot of it myself anyway, because, because that's what ends up happening. I end up watching them and going, are you kidding me? Like, I have to do this myself. And I've done that many times. So I try to outsource, but doesn't always, it usually doesn't work. Okay. So let, okay. Here's a teachable moment for both of us. Okay. (laughs) Let's verify (laughs) this because why do we have those assumptions, right? So I am jealous of you because I admire that you hire people to help you and that you take bigger financial risks than I do, right? And I don't know what risks you can afford to take and what risks you can't afford to take because you and I share more about money than I do with almost any other business person, which is a huge, I think, point of our intimacy as friends is that we'll show each other real numbers and talk about real numbers, which most people hide, right? So I love that you that you do that and you have so much knowledge and and you also make a point that sometimes even a quote unquote failed vendor relationship still teaches you a great deal that you can pass on to your clients. It's almost like R and D for the things that yes. you offer. But I always like to get to the bottom of like why. Like I, this is what I'm doing in my like Corona quarantine time is like the psychology of some of this. Like why am I so afraid to? delegate or hire or like why do I have to do everything myself like what is that about so it's like is there some sort of ego boost that you and I are both getting or identity credit we're both getting on a deeper level from our opposite actions right Mm. like if I have this whole team that proves that I know so much because I have a team or like if I don't have a team that proves (laughs) right right I mean I I know I I think mine comes from insecurity. I'm always saying I'm a really easy sell. I'm such an easy sell. I mean, I look at the worst sales pages. I'm like, wow, they know so much. Steve is like, are you kidding me? I know. I don't know. I just believe, you know what? Well, this is what Steve's theory. I I think this is accurate. This sounds like a backhanded compliment, but it's a problem. I'm not complimenting myself. Like I would never say something in my marketing that wasn't true. 
like true, mm-hmm. true, you know, Makes like, and I'm, and I'm actually pretty careful not to frame things in a way where it's, you know, it's not true or it's, it's exaggerating to a point where it's untrue. And so when I look at people's marketing, I just assume that they're doing that too. I mean, you wouldn't just lie about that, would you? When I say that to Steve, it like infuriates him now. He's like, what do you mean? Of course people will just lie. I'm like, no, they wouldn't. <laughs> Why would you do No, How could you, you can't just lie like that. He's like, of course you can. I'm like, I don't get it. He's like, you so know, I have the you. opposite assumption. I think everyone's full of shit, you know? Oh. And I think, I mean, this has all got to be childhood stuff, right? Because what is everything? But like, you know, I grew up in this entrepreneurial household and I worked first startups from day one, you know, in the first dot-com boom with founders who talk a big game, but can't necessarily follow it up. And so I kind of just assume any, because it's a personality type too, right? It's even the men I date, these entrepreneur types who like walk in the room with big swing and dick and like talk about how they're going to like disrupt and revolutionize the whole world. And some of them have, I mean, I've, I've been in like, you know, professional relationships with or romantic relationships with this like kind of stereotypical entrepreneurish dude. This is probably daddy issues, right? (laughs) (laughs) You know, sometimes they have become multimillionaires because of their first thing, but they still have that underlying, it's like a Trumpian personality where they have to talk that big game and that has gotten them investors, but they don't feel any sort of onus to pay back that investor money because they just deserve it because they're already, and they believe their own bullshit that's the thing they don't oh. consciously think they're lying mm-hmm. and you know i think these days it's no longer just you know honestly white guys who do that although that's the prevalent demographic of the these like business liars now in the <clears throat> you know who i'm talking about okay i'll just say it the like Leo fallout of people who are just like, I'm an expert in this because I did it once. And now mm-hmm. I have an online course about it, which just mm-hmm. angers, like my skin hurts. Yeah. I get yeah. so angry. Yeah. And I, and I even have some clients like that. And I say, stop saying you're an expert. You're not an expert. Like you did a thing once and now you're selling an online course about it. That doesn't make you an expert. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's why I am. I've been flying this flag. I've written some articles about this. I, I have a lot of people actually, I've had more than a couple of people say to me, you know, they take my, my course, which is about building a service business. And then while they're doing it and they're building their business, which is not an overnight thing, they will say something to me along the lines of, but I need money now. So I think I'm going to build an online course or a product. And <laughs> you know, it's I like want passive income. So I'm I want passive income. Yeah. Like I really need money. So I'm going to build this passive income product, which is so, you know, so obvious how little you understand about how this stuff works, which is not, you know, your fault at all. You just haven't been in this world enough, but I keep telling them yes and i i've actually even thought about the marketing for the the boot camp to sh- do the services as like if you're sitting there without business and you want an online course the best thing you can do is start a service business first because the service business is the is the vehicle through which you build the skills and you can become an expert. I don't think you need a PhD. I just think you need to have had many clients where you produ- where you produced amazing results and lots of value over time so that you have developed that proof. And then you can turn around and teach that, but until you've done until you've shown the world and and proven that you have this expertise, you're not ready to do the online course. That said, once you have built that service business, not to mention you can make money doing it and built that expertise by doing it over time and becoming really good at it, then you're in a great position to sell an online course because now you actually have something to teach and it's actually something interesting and new and you actually figured it out yourself as opposed to, you know, just watching another online course and just remaking it like you did. You know, you were in communications and PR. You made the course based on all of your experience doing that. Yeah, you know, I I often make a really crude (laughs) analogy, which is, would you rather get open heart surgery from the dude who's done it a hundred times and maybe even failed five times, but can tell you exactly why it failed or the person who just got out of med school? Like you're an Mm -hmm. expert from doing stuff. Mm -hmm. I I don't know. You might choose the med school guy, but um, (laughs) um you know, expertise comes from experience. And that's why like my intuition is so strong now. And it accelerated when I went from doing Pressler Collaborative to doing pregame because in Pressler Co, 
I could only work with three or four clients at a time, but in pregame, I can work with tens of clients at a time. And so my instincts about like what's wrong with their business and what needs to be fixed are so fast mm-hmm. now that it almost mm-hmm. like works against me, right? Because if you charge by your time, but you're very good, you end up screwing yourself out of money. <laughs> That's why you can't charge by your time. Yeah. On the lying point, you know, I work with a lot of business coaches and consultants as my clients, right? Mm -hmm. So I know the truth about their background and why they got into it and what they charge. Mm -hmm. And the people who drive me absolutely batshit crazy are (laughs) either the people who've done something once and then want to build a practice for anyone. And, you know, just because you successfully worked on a project with a hundred other people for a huge corporation doesn't mean you're qualified to consult a small business on how to do a similar thing. Like if anything, you're not qualified at all. So that's one category, right? Is you've done something once and now you're going to position yourself as a consultant. The other category that drives me crazy is the people who are just great salespeople and they kind of buy their knowledge. So they are spending money on all the other programs and then they're just creating like a synthesis of the ad information, which I'd rather go to that person because they are actually like, you know, curating a lot of different information, but they spend a ton of money on their website and their photo shoot and they charge a lot and, but they're really good at sales, but then there's like nothing behind the curtain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are the people to be wary of. It's hard to know. It isn't if you ask the questions like, what were you doing before this? Oh, I was in multi-level marketing for 10 years. You know, like if people are dodgy about their background, like I just can't believe if someone were reading, you know, say my bio, have worked with all these brands, have been in marketing for 15 years, and then you hire the person who costs more because it costs more because they charge more, but they were like, doing multi-level marketing two years ago, but they paid $5,000 for a photo shoot and $10,000 for a website. And you go with that person because you're blinded by all the, but that here's the thing is that's how we shop. We're humans. Like we don't ask the questions. We get sidetracked and and charmed by, by the marketing, which is ironic because you and I are marketers, but we're probably too honest for our own good. (laughs) I was charmed by the PRs marketing. That's for sure. I was deciding between them and someone else who was a not even a fraction. You couldn't even call it a fraction of the price. It was so much less. But the two guys who didn't have anything, I mean, the story didn't line up. That was the problem. You know, sometimes people will tell you a story like, oh, I've done all this stuff. But then you like, see, but I'm a sucker for marketing. I did all this stuff and here's all this stuff. And I've been featured in all these places. And I'm like, I can't even find you on Google. This doesn't line up. You know, I don't know what the story is, but, but when I don't get something, there's probably a, a story. And, and it takes a lot for me to, to question people because like I said, like I, I believe people at face value and it keeps kicking me in the ass. I mean, I've, this has happened to me multiple times, but like I said, I think it just comes from my insecurity of like really believing that other people know better and constantly learning. Like they don't really know better. Maybe they read a little bit more about that at some point, but like you can read it and do it yourself, but I can't be doing it all myself. And you know that because you can't be doing it all yourself. It's exhausting to do it all yourself. Yeah. So I have a solution for us. <laughs> I do too, but I don't think it's realistic and will really happen. But let's hear your oh, solution. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, you can tell your solution after. Here's the here's the solution. Here is what I have found does work. It's only happened a couple of times for me. What does work is to do it all myself, learn it, become proficient in it, and then hire someone to do it where I am managing or overlooking or able to really accurately assess what they're doing, consult on what they're doing because they're doing it for me. So I did that with someone from Instagram. I finally outsourced some of my Instagram stuff, but I did it when I already knew. Like if I had all the time in the world, I would be doing this on Instagram all the time, but I don't. But I can tell you what to do and I can be tweaking what you're doing. And it's not like she came without knowledge. She does know a lot about Instagram and she knows some things I don't know too. So that's great. But I'm not hiring her and saying, do whatever you think. I'm hiring her and saying, what are you going to do? Okay, I- I'd like you to do this instead. Do that. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm bringing that knowledge. I'm being an educated consumer, but you have to do it all first before you can actually hire that person. So that's how I see it. It takes a lot more time, but ultimately, you build a ton of skills. That's why you and I have 
tons of skills. That's why every time I meet somebody who needs like high level thinking, those are the people I send to you for better or worse, Ciara. Sometimes when I'm talking to someone, I'm like, whoa, you need someone who understands business and marketing and strategy and branding. And yeah, there's only one person I know and it's Ciara Pressler. <laughs> so go talk to her and see. You'll be lucky if she'll take your project on because she's well, got another business she'd rather do. <laughs> I'm going to have to raise my rates after hearing you say that. No, no, but I, I agree with you. And that's what I advise, you know, uh, the clients I have that are more junior that I'm coaching and they say, well, I just want someone else to do all my sales. It's, it's sales. Mm-hmm. Usually they don't want to do sales. <laughs> They're like, I just want to hire some, or I just want to create all the time and have other people handle everything else. Well, that's a job. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. I feel so adamant about this. That is not owning a business. Owning a business is managing other people doing all the things, including making the thing usually. Sales right? and marketing. So, so I say, well, even if you hire someone to do your sales or your marketing, you still have to tell them what to do. You know, you can't, they're not just going to intuitively know how to run your business. So I agree with you on that. But I think the shortcut is to get referrals from people who've had results. You know, Mm. if you're going to hire somebody who's more of a vendor, like an agency or something like that. So if I ask for a referral, I will be very specific, like somebody who has done this and gotten these types of results. But I have, I've written an article about like how to comparison shop. And when somebody is, is talking about working with me, I will send them, you know, here, go comparison shop because, and it's not reverse psychology. It's because I want them to value what I'm bringing to the table when they hire me, because they see that what I offer is so much more valuable than these other people they're talking to. Is it this article? How to find the right business coach, consultant, or advisor? Yes. Cool. I'll read that after. I'll link to it in the show notes. Well, my solution was (laughs) you should talk to me before you hire someone, but I know that doesn't work because if you want to, you'll do it. (laughs) Me? Yeah. Or anyone. Yeah. You. I I was trying to talk to you about this thing. I don't know why we didn't go look at our texts. You were like, did you mean to call me? I was like, yes, I want to talk to you. (laughs) And then we, and then just everything happened and we didn't. But I want to say you haven't always had bad relationships because when your book was coming out, didn't you hire like a podcast PR thing that really got you a lot of podcasts? Yes. So I, I've you. referred that to other clients who have books because I know you had a good relationship. So it's like those are golden when you have something that works and then you want to pass those around. The The list of people I have hired over the years is very long. The list of people that I recommend is very short. They're one of them. Interview Connections is one of them. But my producers for this podcast is one of them. Like. Yeah. And, and and now that I've worked with so many people, I can tell pretty quickly, you know, mm-hmm. like just, oh, wow, you guys are on it. Like you have process, you bring strategy to the table, you're thinking about this, you're giving advice to me when I am not necessarily asking for it and it's making it better. Like, and not to mention your processes are on point. So, I mean, those, and, and maybe the things that other people are looking for are different, but that's the kind of stuff that makes me feel good about an engagement with somebody is that they have their shit together, <laughs> you yeah. know, and, and they have it together from the moment you, you interact with them throughout. It's not like they have their shit together sometimes, you know, it's every step of the way. That's how you build trust with somebody is just, you know, bam, 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 every next step. Yeah. And you know, I have a firm that I refer for um, digital marketing, like AdWords, remarketing, social, some SEO, and I work with them and, you know, my the pregame brand is a challenge, right? It's like a very small slice and all that. But their systems and their account management is so freaking dialed that I refer them to other people, even though I haven't got the results I want yet, because I know it's more about my brand and my customer than about their ability to execute an AdWords campaign. Mm. And you know what? Here's the here's the secret. You know, there's that that ism that you shouldn't pull out of marketing in a recession, you should lean into it, right? Like you shouldn't mm-hmm. stop marketing. And that was hard, you know, like in the last month, I'm like, what expenses can I cut? But I just had a conversation with them and we were able to chop that budget in half because my competitors have pulled out. So now the bid price on all the AdWords that I want is lower. Nice. It's a great time to advertise if you can afford it. Yeah, I know. I'm trying to get my stuff together so we can start doing some Facebook ads. Actually, because I've heard the price has just gone way down. Yeah, it's tricky. You know, Facebook ads, I don't really trust right now because I feel like people don't trust Facebook. I don't know. My customers are on Instagram, so I would use the Facebook platform, of course, to advertise on Instagram. But I haven't figured out the key to selling services versus products on Instagram. 
Although I will say it's good for remarketing. So people who've already been to my site but didn't purchase mm. to then see it again when they're on social media is really helpful because then they get reminded to go back and buy. Yes. And then since we are somewhat local, Maps has been really useful for us too. Sure. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm I'm talking specifically for products. I've never paid for advertising for services, actually. I have no experience with that. Have you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, are you considering pregame a service? I guess it is. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, I don't think of like a course as a product, but I think of a course. We as do a, a lot of you don't think of a oh. course as a product? No, because my courses are live. They're not oh. like online okay. courses. They're right. well, right. up until you know, five weeks ago they're in person. Right. But yeah, I should run I should try running DIY PR just digitally because we had to move to digital. It's a four week course and the first week was in person and then it was stay home order. And so the last three weeks were digital and it actually in some ways is better because I could share my screen and show people what I meant. Like, this is how you would find this journalist. Oh, this is the story I want to tell you. So with the PR stuff, right? So I had a client who self-published a book, as many of us are doing, and she was someone who had some money to spend on her marketing. And she was, you know, using the book as a sell through to her coaching as many of us do. And she wanted, she was in the habit, her default setting was throw money at it. And I, you know, and I also knew she was starting a coaching practice from scratch. And so I wanted her money to last longer so that she didn't have to make a full-time salary, you know, tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And so I had like, and this is tricky. We're also friends, so I could do this, but I, I like sat her down and had a talk with her about throwing money at things versus doing them herself. And so she ended up, instead of hiring someone to do her interior book design, figuring it out herself, because she didn't have other stuff to do because she didn't have a full client base yet, right? Mm -hmm. Doing her interior book design herself, which then gave her some skills that could help. And then I helped her develop a process to pitch podcasts. And now she's on a different podcast every week promoting mm -hmm. her book and she knows how to do it herself. And now she's built another skill where if she decides not to coach people on the topic of her book, she could coach people on how to book your own podcast. I mean, that's an incredible skill to build. And so, you know, through a couple of coaching sessions, she learned this PR skill that she now has instead of throwing money at somebody else to do it for her. And she loves it. Like she didn't hate it. We figured out a way for her to do it where she really enjoys it too. And now, honestly, I would hire her for my clients because she's so good. Isn't that a good story? That's awesome. That's exactly yeah. what I'm talking about. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you said, you know, you're, you're figuring it out. You, you could, you wouldn't, but you could have 10 different businesses. And so could I. I don't even think of yeah. some of the skills that I have built as skills that, but when I hire, for example, I've hired, you know, contractors to do things like, like Infusionsoft. You know, that's a complicated mm -hmm. thing. I've hired people and then found out that I know more about it than they do. And I sure. and I don't realize that because I'm in the weeds with all this stuff. So I'm like learning all this stuff over the years and don't realize that a lot of people don't know what they don't know. So some people just become this consultant or that consultant and they don't even know that they don't know too much about social media marketing. I mean, I've seen people pay. I've seen people who know who have never run a, a digital marketing ad campaign like spend, but they took a course on it think that they're going to open up shop and get, I remember one person specifically, and get, oh, because this is what the course said. Now that you know how to run Facebook ads and Google AdWords, you can get five local businesses, each paying you $2,000 a month to run their look, their ads, and you'll be making $10,000 a month. This is what this person was telling me that that was his plan. And, you know, and you do it next month because I, I need money. And I was, you know, I'm just shaking my head because I've spent, uh, I've spent so much time and money on Facebook ads and, and Google. I mean, I know how this stuff works and by, I, am, I am by no means an expert on that, by the way, but even the, the time I've spent, I know that that is not how this works, but you don't know that because you haven't even done it enough to know that. And that's why I'm saying there's so many people out there selling services where they don't even know what they don't know. And, and people don't know how to shop critically for these services. Yes. So here's the question, right? Here's the quite literally million dollar question. We could have 10 different businesses or 10 different departments in our businesses. So why don't we? We've mm. made a conscious decision not to, which I, I assume is like a quality of life. But like I could have a PR agency. I could build up a whole vertical, you know, mm -hmm. paid you membership, 
DIY PR course, monthly coaching, PR agency, like I could, you know, in addition to all the marketing and business strategy stuff, and it would be an inferior product to me doing everything myself, you know, because it would degrade a little bit in translation, but it also would improve in some ways. But, you know, I know that that maybe like slightly degraded service would still be better than these hooligans online who are selling the ability to do it and don't know anything. So it's like, why don't we do that? Because, because even with those skills, at least this is how I feel, you know, you have to dedicate your time and focus 100%. I don't care how good you are at PR. Like, you know, you've built multiple businesses. Every time I do something that's new, that's not even a new business. It's just a new part of my business. It's mm-hmm. like I'm birthing a human. <laughs> you know, it's like because yes. it requires it requires all your time and attention and energy. It's not easy. You know, I feel like I'm such a downer to some people because when they're first coming into business, they think, Oh, they, you know, somebody told them, oh, it could just be this and it would be really easy. I'm like, but it's still a business and it still requires this, this on ramp. And there's still a lot of tangential things that you have to learn and set up. And that just takes time. And even with all of your business skills, like if you wanted to open that PR company up, you couldn't open it up tomorrow. You'd have to start working on that full time. And you already have stuff to work on that you're building. I mean, that's not my thing. Yeah. you're, You're talking about a certain standard of quality. So that's the thing is because we, yes. we are, <laughs> yes, I, I think of my business as my art. I think of it as like my grand unified theory of, <laughs> you know, category. and I, I would be happy to work on perfecting it for the next 40 years. No problem. Oh yeah. And cause I'm so engaged with the, the sculpting of it and like just getting every part right. But that's, you know, that's a very artist perspective. The pure capitalist business perspective would be well, pe- what that course was saying. Will people pay you for it? Take the money and do it. Like that's all that's required is that you can sell it. That's what makes it legitimate. And and we just have a different integrity and quality standard than what is required to have a business in a you know purely capitalist format. I guess I I don't think I my experience hasn't been that it's it's easy, even if you don't want to sell quality, because even if you don't want to sell quality, it's not going to last. I just don't, I think it's going to be hard. I mean, or, or I've never tried to scale something that kind of sucked, <laughs> but, but, but could I could get money? I mean, I, I don't know. I, I guess I see a lot of people selling stuff at, at these very low prices, um, like $27, $47, $100. I'm like, what are you selling at those prices? You know, like what, like it's a, just a totally different game. And it's something I'm curious about and I'm, I'm exploring actually, because I can see that there could be merit if the stuff is good. But then I start, to, but that's exactly, yes, but of course it has to be good. Like what's the point of doing any of this if it's not good? Or it's designed to upsell and and you are trying to filter. It's a filter. So I call it the learning annex model. And it's very much, I always associated it with Donald Trump in the iteration of Donald Trump that was 15 years ago in New York, where he was like selling real estate investment weekends, right? Like, that's why no New Yorkers voted for Trump, because we remember all these other ridiculous things he was doing. So the learning annex model is sell a like real estate investing night for like $30. So, right. So you, a lot of people are like, oh yeah, why wouldn't I do that? 30 bucks. I can afford that. Then the whole entire thing is just, and you and I have both kind of been through the stage of our business with the events, right? Mm-hmm. So the whole entire night is just a sales pitch, getting you to upgrade to the weekend, right? And then the weekend costs $300, right? But you're getting all this value, but really it's a pitch to upgrade to this other thing, which is $3,000, right? So it's, mm-hmm. it's getting people to pay at each step of the sales funnel. But yeah, the, I mean, there's a lack of integrity because they're not really learning anything or you have to make, degrade the information so much that you can charge $30 for it. Right. You know, or you get junior. Or it's a lost who, leader. Yeah, it's a lost leader. Yeah. But if you give too much value in the beginning, then people have too much to do and then they leave. I mean, it's yeah. this very we fine line. That. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. That's, I mean, I actually, I think, I mean, a lot of the people that I, the people who are saying, I just wish someone else would market it and sell it. You know, I mean, I encounter those people too. I get that feeling. 
those people actually really care about the value that they're giving too. They care too much about the thing that they're doing. They're like, I just want to be really awesome at my consulting practice, whatever it is. I don't want to have to learn sales and marketing. I don't want to have to deal with all of that stuff. That's hard. I want to just do this. So they do care about the value to, to a fault almost because you need to learn sales and marketing if you want your own business. Then yes, then go get a job at a consulting firm if all you want to do is consult. This is yeah. my, my little thing, right? <laughs> if you just want to do what you want to do when you want to do it, that's a hobby. If you want to do the thing you want like and and just have a paycheck automatically come to you, that's a job. If you want to do the thing you want and have some flexibility in your time and you don't mind like doing some networking, that's freelance. But if you want to develop a system around the thing that you do and like build the shell around it that makes it work and function, then that's a business. And too many people, because it's easy to just, ah, just because you have a website does not mean you have a business. Just because you registered with the state and have an LLC does not mean you have a business. I mean, I have, I know people who go around saying like, oh, I'm the CEO of blah, 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 business. And they haven't even formed an LLC. Like what makes something a business? Ah, it makes me crazy. And I think my um, job. Yeah. And people don't want to hear that because Marie Forleo told them that they have a business because they set up a blog and charge a thousand dollars for like, you know, I don't know how to be a plant mom because they grew a plant once Mm -hmm. or I'm a wedding planner because I had a wedding once. And I think what should be the key to what your business does and how much you charge, especially when you're in a service business like we are, is who are the clients you want to work with? Because when pricing is so <laughs> kind of anchored on nothing, I think with services, sometimes it's just, you know, good products too, right? Like what makes something a luxury good? I agree. It's all relative. It's just what kind of clients you want to deal with. Just price it to the clients you want. Like if you, because if you go for the lowest common denominator clients, you're going to have to hire a whole customer service team because those people are going to be like knocking at your door and wanting more shit for free and blah, 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 blah. But if you want like high end clients, you better price high end. And that was, Mm -hmm. that has been part of my problem. I I will say is that sometimes I'm like, Oh, I want everyone to be able to afford it. I want to be able to work with artists. I want to be able to work with small businesses. And sometimes I price so low that I, that, that higher end clients don't trust that I know what I'm talking about. I, I believe that I've, I've tried to, I feel like I told you that when we were in Mexico yeah. <laughs> years ago. Well, because look, I met you when we were in New York city, you were running your, con- is it a consultancy? I mean, would you call yeah. it that? Like Pressler Collaborative, you looked super boss. You were super boss. You know, you were being your fabulous self. You're super <laughs> stylish, walking around, telling people how it is, opening opening locations of the yard was it <laughs> like yeah. you know dominating real estate and then you were and then oh gosh you had already moved to portland when we went to mexico on our no. little retreat no you were still in new no. york yeah okay so we go to mexico on this little business retreat for a couple of days and we were brainstorming this because you were gonna go open this and you were telling me about i mean it was i was like it sounds like you're on a mission and this is your art which is exactly what you're calling it yeah and and it's tricky because right now with pregame, I compete with nonprofits like and free incubators and accelerators around Portland. And then it's so tricky, right? Because I have this accessible business coaching service subscription product that delivers more value. And yet I will sometimes lose clients to free programs or like very low price programs. It's tricky. This how to price that, you know, and Mm -hmm. and I look at the people who do buy from me and then I have to think about, could they afford more? Yeah. But I don't want to lose the clients. It's so tricky. I will have to go through my pricing again and I want to get your eye on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, no competitors who charge like sometimes like five times what I charge for an inferior product. They're the coaches who like don't have the experience I have, but they have a, you know, maybe a more expensive website. And, and or they just have a higher price. No, I know. And, Sarah, like, and they, they seem like they're offering some more value than you're than you're offering. Yeah. And your your pregame clients probably I don't know, I assume this is not in your marketing, probably don't know your consulting prices. <laughs> like like yeah. you know, your consultancy is what makes that like a I mean, and that's really the the model that I think a lot of people can and should 
go from. It's premium mm-hmm. to lower price, no, but I the know. premium is what brings the lower price value uh, makes it you clear. have to anchor it. Yes. Yeah, I always anchor. use, we actually do an exercise about this, a free game, ironically, which is what, you know, if you had a, a fashion boutique and people walk in off the street and like the average price point was like $50 to $200 for all your stuff, the best thing you could do is put a $10,000 product in the middle of the room because all mm-hmm. of a sudden all the other stuff is going to look super accessible. Mm-hmm. Like you need an anchor. And so, you know, I always, compared to fashion because I love fashion and and it, it's a great example you know like look at Donna Karen Ralph Lauren uh, Calvin Klein the only reason that they can that they have these you know outlet malls full of you know thirty dollar mm-hmm. Calvin Klein bras is because Calvin Klein also has is sending people down the runway every spring summer fall winter you know, yes. at this multi-thousand dollar price point. And so we want a piece of that brand. And so we assume the quality is better, even if maybe a half price thing is just as good of quality, but it's got the Calvin Klein name. And so, you know, what what is a way that we can bring that into all of our services? And yeah, I mean, I that's like one of my to-do list things is like bring a consulting landing page onto my pregame site and say like starts at $5,000 a month, $10 a month. $10,000 a month. So people understand how much value they're getting from, you know, their weekly coaching session. Yeah. I'm just going to, I'm, I'm just going to guess because that is, that is what the anchor for the value that you're providing in pregame. But I would assume that they don't necessarily know that they don't know well, CR okay. from New York here. Well, this is a big problem I found in Portland. Okay. Cause in New York, there is this I want the best. I'm like in a hustle. I have this drive for excellence. And West Coast is different. People want good things, but there's such a lifestyle balance attitude of like, a lot of people don't work with me because they're intimidated. And that is just, I I can't get my head around that. Like, wouldn't you want, (laughs) you know, and, and part of, you know, there's such a value here of being nice over being effective that it's like, People hire like the nice guy because he's nice and he makes me feel good. And then, you know, versus that builds the business. And so they'll look back and value a service based on the guy that was like the nicest versus the person who actually helped them build their business and told them the truth. And so it's really kind of fucked up my game Mm. from a marketing standpoint, too, to be like, now I got to worry about being liked versus being good. You know, it's not sports where just like <laughs> where like if you make the most points, you win. It's it's I don't like competing in that in that game. I don't like it at all. I want I want people to hire me based on my experience and expertise, not based on how much they like me. Because then I start focusing yeah. on the wrong thing. As you talk about this, I'm realizing how much my brand is New York and that I didn't yes. even quite realize that because this mm-hmm. is where I grew up. <laughs> so that's just I'm probably I'm probably um challenging people to be kind of New Yorky about their businesses without even realizing it. Well, and New York is a brand that's always going to have staying power, but West Coast is really a, a dominant brand I think especially for like millennials because it's more about life balance. It's mm-hmm. quality of let you know like bringing in some of the woo-woo stuff. And so I do some of that, you know, with like lifestyle, but you know, it comes back to that, like, what kind of client do you want to work with? I don't enjoy working with a half-assed client. I want the people who have an internal drive for excellence and want to like create an, a great thing just for the sake of creating a great thing. And so mm-hmm. I think I'm going to take a look at my messaging again and, and not be afraid of that. Yeah. I mean, I, that's really what this podcast and I've been, I've been playing, I'm still playing with the messaging around this podcast, but the word excellence kept coming up because that's really when I talk about show your business who's boss. I really have I've had to ide- uh, define what that means, and to me, it's an approach to your business and your life that comes from excellence and you know commitment to the outcome that you want and not letting anything stop you and obviously being willing to fail and keep going. But it's the excellence part that I think a lot of people maybe don't talk about. So no wonder we're friends. Yeah. (laughs) It's funny. Yesterday I was interviewing someone who's in a totally different industry from us and he, he's a TV writer and he was talking about the framework from the book drive. I think it's Daniel Mm -hmm. Pink. And 
that, you know, there's the like base drive, which is just avoiding pain, right? Like I want to do this just so I can pay my bills basically. Mm-hmm. So I don't get kicked out. And then there's the next level drive, which is, you know, out external validation, which I see a lot of people doing this stuff for that, for those Instagram likes, right? Like Mm -hmm. getting those numbers and that's what they do it for. They need validation because they're not getting it somewhere else in life. And then the the next level of drive is that internal drive for excellence. Mm. And if you're hiring, that is what you want to look for. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise you'll bail when it gets hard, right? Yes. Or when people don't like your Instagram post enough, you'll look for something else to do where you can get that external validation. Mm -hmm. But if, you know, like I said, I... To a fault, I care about the excellence, right? Like I'd rather have something that's really like extraordinary and good than to make the most money. But I think you can have it. I think you can have it all. (laughs) I think you can have it all. But that's that perfectionism thing. Like sometimes perfectionism keeps you from doing stuff. When we were talking about it years ago and now that I'm watching you work on it, to me, you're out in Portland and you have the opportunity to do this online so you can bring that excellence of yours and your knowledge and skill set to a higher price point client. And it's not, they're not necessarily in Portland. And that it's your desire for it to be in person that is stopping you from doing what I think would be a much more lucrative option in the short term. I know you have a long-term vision for how you're going to, how it's going to become more and more lucrative, but in the short term, I think you could just be, I know you could be making, you know, make a much more profitable business that way. There's always going to be an in-person element because part of my my desire for that is I like being around people and having I like the all the vibes of being with a person in, in real life and having that energy. That's I think that's why I'm working on my licensing program mm-hmm. is so that the people I am pushing to excellence are people who are also selling my framework and helping other people with my framework. And then they can focus on their niche, right? Whether their niche is Austin or Nashville, or if their niche is, you know, people who own salons or <laughs> fitness trainers or something like that, but they can use the game plan framework mm-hmm. with other people. So I'm really interested in that right now so that my focus can go from the end client to the other consultants and coaches and raise the standard for what coaching and consulting looks like, which I know is like a very lofty goal, Mm -hmm. but oh my gosh, like there's no regulation in this industry and there's such a blue ocean opportunity to brand it and, and make people have more demand for excellence and be like, well, you don't have this stamp of approval. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's quite unregulated. And this is going back to what you were saying before. It's like people who are really good at sales and marketing, they float to the top, even if they're not the best people. And, you know, funny enough, we're talking about that in a negative way. I'm usually explaining that to people in a positive way. I'm like, unfortunately, even if you're the better option, your competitor, who's really great at their branding and marketing, is going to beat you. And that sucks. That's why you have to do your branding and marketing and do it really, really well, because you can't even compete because there are people who suck, but have great marketing and branding, unfortunately. I just think, I think my job is to tell people the truth about what it's going to take. But before that, to clarify what the goal is, right? So I never tell somebody, you can't have what you want when they first come to me. First, I figure out what they really want. Because usually what they tell me what they want and what they really want are two different things. Mm -hmm. Here's an example. I want a PR write-up. I want to get like more press hits. Okay, well, we dig into that. And basically what they want is better sales so that they can not worry about their bills and, you know, have more time to create. Okay. Well, that's a totally different path because it's mm-hmm. a different goal. And then the next thing is to tell them the truth about what's going to take to get there. You want a $50,000 business. Here's what you have to do. You want a hundred thousand dollar business. Here's what you have to do. You want a half a million million. Here's what you have to be willing to do. But if they're not willing to do it, they got to change the goal. Yeah. They also have to be willing to look at the numbers which is something yeah. a lot of people also don't even want to do. Oh my gosh, I have been, you know, in one of my incubations is, you know, an, a numbers class. Mm-hmm. People don't want to take, even if you offer it, people don't want to take I it because they don't want to look at the money. It's, it's unbelievable. Insane. So I made, I think I shared it with you. I made this whole Excel program really for myself. And then I, I neatened it up to 
give to my uh, the people I was coaching last year because they needed it. And it's mm-hmm. just it's doing the numbers and figuring out, you know, it's basically doing financial planning for your business. And but I had made it over years because I needed to know these numbers. And then I saw they needed to. Anyway, so I make it into this thing. And I said, you know what, I should sell this. So when all this stuff, hit, <laughs> I'm laughing already, sorry. All, <laughs> what? I'm laughing already. Sorry. Like, yeah. I was like, I should sell this. So I, I put it up for $97, which I thought was a steal. You know, a couple people bought it. Anyway, when all this stuff hit, all this coronavirus stuff hit, I was like, the first thing I did was go to my Excel sheet. Like, that's the first thing yeah. I looked at because that's the first thing you need to figure out. It's like, what's the financial plan here in order to make the next move? So I, I offered it to everybody for $27. And I would have given it to them for free, but I wanted them to do it. Because I know yeah, when people take things for free. So yeah, twenty seven I mean twenty seven dollars is free. So I said twenty seven dollars that way they'll have to, you know, be in or out. And I even offered a office hours at the end of the week. So right, I never do that. Twenty seven dollars. You can come and I will like answer your questions, do your thing. Anyway, like four people bought it out of hundreds of people and one person showed up on the office hours. Wow. People do yeah. not want to look at their numbers. And it's so unfortunate because a business's success is based on knowing these numbers. You are just, you are, you are just tying your hands behind your back if you don't look at these numbers and you don't understand them. And this is why my like controversial opinion of the month, which I haven't figured out how to distill and like publish, but I want to, but I also know it's dangerous is like, not all businesses deserve to survive this, you know, like at what point do people need to have a prudent reserve in order to get a bailout from the government? Like at what point Mm. is an emergency fund (laughs) vital to have as a business Mm -hmm. and and taxpayers don't have to bail you out Mm -hmm. as a small business too, not just the big corporations, like, you know, the whole Ruth's Chris scandal, absolutely ridiculous. But like, you know, a lot of us are paycheck to paycheck as businesses, like from from tiny businesses all the way up to corporations. And like we've, we've been warned, but we didn't take the warning. We didn't do the work. Mm. And at what point do you not deserve to have a business? And everyone acts like owning a business is a right. I don't think so. I think it's a privilege. I hate, absolutely hate the rhetoric that I see from some like advisors or advocates or something of like founders have it so hard and we need to like put founders on a pedestal and everything. I'm like, okay, most people who are founders have family money so they can afford to like piss it off away. <laughs> like they're mm-hmm. not like enlightened beings that are, you know, or even artists or anything like that. I think most people who have the ability to do those things have some remarkable privilege and there should be a level of responsibility expected with that. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is such a good point. It's, it's, you can't run a business paycheck to paycheck in the long run. You can run it like that for a little while, but you have to be pushing your business to be more profit. That's what it is. It's being more profitable. It's being leaner. It's having bigger margins so you can have a cash reserve. It's being strategic about the risk that you take on. I mean, I am trying to encourage, I, I bet, I bet you have an opinion about this. I am trying to encourage the business owners that I help to increase the cash available to them right now yeah. because we don't know what's going to happen. And I and some of them are so resistant because they associate it with debt. Oh, you mean like a line of credit or something? Like, like a that? line of credit, like an interest-free credit card. Like I And, and that's well, what I did. Why wouldn't I, you do that? I mean, why it requires some self-discipline of not pissing it away it, on stupid shit. Because it requires self-discipline? <laughs> or, or I've heard, well, because then I won't have the fire under my butt. To do the work. Oh, yeah, sure. Well, that's why you need a coach or in a peer group to like keep the fire lit under your butt. But to me, what you're saying is my business will only work when I'm in constant stress mode. <laughs> the only Ooh. way I can do things, get things done is if I'm stressed. So I don't want to create what is a healthy business environment for myself to succeed. Oh yeah. That is some workaholism, perfectionism shit right there. And I totally identify with it. Do you? Totally. Yeah, I could totally see that. Yeah, it's like some people can only like do struggle. Like I'm doing that Chopra like challenge right now. You know, the abundance meditation <laughs> challenge. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it's like kind of going around. So it is so hard for me, this whole abundancy thing. 
and it's not because I'm like not spiritually enlightened. It's because like this idea that everything should happen with ease and flow to me is, I mean, it's a nice idea, but I don't believe it. And certainly in business, I don't. And I love people like, um, well, I don't love these guys. I think they're totally obnoxious. And it's like another symptom of like, we don't need one more bro telling us what to do in business. But guys who speak truth that are kind of ed- entertainers, like um, what's his name? The wine guy, Gary V. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm really into Scott Galloway right now. And they're like, yeah, I if you have a startup, him. you don't have hours. You're always thinking and worrying about it. Like yeah. there's not quality of life. It's not easy. Like you're trying to be in the 90th percentile just to survive, you know? Yeah. And I think about when people are like, oh, you work too much. You think about it too much. Or even when I do that to myself, sometimes I'm like, you know, if I was in business school right now and doing stuff on the weekend, it'd be like, yeah, because you're in business school. It's like three years you committed to work harder. Or like if I were an artist or a musician and I were practicing at night, you will be like, yeah, because it's the artist life. And like that <laughs> is the startup life. You know, it's not necessarily mm-hmm. this clean nine to five. And and while I am actually very disciplined about keeping office hours, I think about it all the time. A hundred percent. Me too. And I'm I'm with you on that innate feeling of the hard work and and being tied to the hard work. I mean, I have this feeling, I have a hard time believing that something has value if it wasn't hard to do, but Mm. I have a goal of not feeling that way. So I have been over years and, and I am, I mean, this is probably the one consistent goal I've had since at least three or four years ago. And I remember exactly when I said it out loud to like other people, but my, like my whole goal is to be able to do all the things I'm doing, but just with as much ease and grace as possible. Like th- those are the words for me, ease and oh, grace. Lovely. I love that. I, because it's, because it. I don't want it to have to be hard. doesn't mean I don't want to work hard. It just means I can, you can work hard without it being hard. Like it doesn't have to be stressful and take all of your like energy and life out of Uh, you, which is how I used to work. I used to work like that. You remember, I I mean, I still get the migraines, but I don't get them the way I used to get them them all the time. That's a lot of improvement. So I've definitely come leaps and bounds. And now I don't even consider doing like email after 8.30 PM. So I have definitely (laughs) moved in, in quite extremely in that direction. But it's still me going against my natural inclination to work hard and make it really hard. It's stressful. <laughs> stressful is how you get stuff done. Yeah. You know right. what I mean? <laughs> well, what if it's this? What if it's different styles at different stages of life, right? Like that's why I hate labels and personality tests and things. I'm like, okay, maybe I was an INTJ TJ 10 years ago, but like once I label myself, I don't give myself space to have any other identity, right? Oh, that's you're an INTJ. No, no, I'm just using it as an example. Oh. Like I hate introvert versus <laughs> extrovert because oh, it's okay. like sometimes you need to be alone and sometimes you need people. Like it's a spectrum. So anyway, <laughs> the point being that like like my fitness life has changed over the years. Like I used to run marathons and train for marathons because I love that energy of like that cathartic like sweat like that kind of workout mm-hmm. and I'm just not a yoga person but if I say that's the only thing I can do then I miss the opportunity for like that month or that season where I needed to be a yoga person and so you know what if sometimes the appropriate way that's going to work best for you is like slow and steady work but for longer hours but like less productivity mm-hmm. versus you know I like to work in high intensity intervals and just Me like too. pound out stuff and then take mm-hmm. a little break. But they're both valid if you get to the same result. Yeah, I mean, they're all valid if that's how you want to live. I, I mean, I even if you want to kill yourself working all the time, I mean, if you truly want to do that, I don't know if people truly want to do that, but if you truly want to do that, you know, no judgments here. I don't want to do that. I was doing that as a default. And now I've kind of come to a place where I enjoy the intense work. Like I, I have, I mean, how you do anything is how you do everything, right? I mean, I, no, I, it's not. Um, it's I love that saying too, and I use it to motivate myself. You don't, but think, I don't so? think it's true. Oh, mm. I, I, it's true for me. I notice it in I everything because even 
I was thinking about it in the shower yesterday. I was washing my face and I was like washing it really <laughs> like like really fast. And and I thought for a second, I was like, why are you doing this? Like you're literally it's not happening faster. Yeah. But that's just how I am and or that's just, you know, how I'm I am naturally. So I had to remind myself I had to notice it. And then I was like, oh no, I can just wash my face like like all <laughs> slow like <laughs> but in exercise same kind of thing like I was a dancer like you're not dancing hard if you know you're not doing it if it's not hurting is how I grew up dancing yeah. so it took me and then I got injured out you know after college because I was dancing like that for so long and I'm still dealing with that injury and whenever mm-hmm. I'm doing any physical therapy for it wow. kind of doing it on and off it's it's always there and that's why I see the how you do every anything is how you do everything because he's mm-hmm. always like stop trying to make it harder I was like but it's not doing anything if I'm not doing he's like that's yeah. You are doing it if you just do the thing. I'm like, well, that sucks. I don't want to do it like that. <laughs> He's like, but that's the healing. And so, but I see that, you know, that's, I know. And that's the lesson that I, I see that it can be spilled over into business too. I think that's why spiritually I'm a New Yorker too. Because, you, you know, these Portland people want me to do things easy and light. And, <laughs> oh my gosh, these yogis and my physical therapist is like giving me these stretches. And I'm like. I'd never do the stretches. Like, even though it would heal my body, I don't want to do the stretches because I don't feel like I'm doing anything. I know. Oh my God. I totally relate. Yes. Well, Ciara, it's always a pleasure talking to you. Thanks so much for coming on. I'm definitely going to have you back. So I hope you don't mind coming back. All the time. I mean, I I could do this every week. So thank you. (laughs) Well, we do this often without the recorder. So we'll just turn the recording on sometimes. How about that? True that. Yes. Okay, good. Talk to you later. If you're looking for some no-bullshit business coaching, go to pregamehq.com to see what virtual options Ciara's company, Pregame, has available. And if you're in need of higher-level marketing and PR consulting, definitely check out presslercollaborative.com, which is also full of tons of great articles and videos from Ciara that don't pull any punches. The links to both will be in the show notes. Also, if you know other entrepreneurs who struggle to put their business in its place and could benefit from hanging out with us, please share this podcast with them. Hard work can only take you so far. It's how you show up in your business that makes the difference. And to make sure that you don't miss an episode of Show Your Business Who's Boss, hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast player. Taking inspiration from Ciara today, ask yourself, how much are you really embracing your own marketing and sales? Are you investing in your skills or hoping you can pass it off to someone else to solve it for you? Hiring experts to help with marketing and sales is a great idea, but only if you've first taken the time to learn about it so you can be an educated consumer. That may look like reading books, taking a course or two, hiring a coach to help you learn it faster, or all of the above. And that might just be your first step in showing your business who's boss. Show Your Business Who's Boss is produced by Yellow House Media. Production coordinator is Sean McMullen. This episode is edited by Marty Seafelt. Production assistance by Kristen Runvik. Creative direction by Steve Wasterval. Our theme music is Glass Prisms by Western Runners. 